Before we put our bad therapist hat on, we have got to tell you about a super special project we've been working on with our favorite, Jane. This is just for listeners of Am I a Bad Therapist? So keep listening to learn more about how you can get your hands on some super fun bad therapist swag. You should know by now that we have talked all about how amazing Jane is and how easy it was for both of us to switch. So whether you're just starting to do your research or you've been contemplating switching your software for a while now, the Jane team understands that the process can feel intimidating. And that's why the Jane team provides you with all of the onboarding resources you need to make the switch as smooth and quick as possible. Jane offers a personalized call to set up your account, a free data import, and a variety of online resources to get you up and running quickly. If you need a helping hand along the way, you'll have access to unlimited phone, email, and chat support, including in your Jane subscription. And now, if you mention the code Bad Therapist when you switch, not only do you get the 30-day grace period on your account, but you also get swag for switching. This swag is amazing with collaborative branding from Amaya Bad Therapist and Jane, and it is so cute if we do say so ourselves. I had the opportunity to design all of the swag, and I made sure to design it just for therapists. And let me tell you, this is the stuff therapists love. We're talking sticky notes, coffee mugs, hats, you know, the good stuff. And Jane has never done this before, so you do not want to miss out on this one. You can get a preview of the swag if you head over to our Instagram at abadtherapistpod and see for yourself. If you're interested in learning more, book a one-on-one demo at jane.app and don't forget to use the code badtherapist at sign up when you make the switch to get that one month grace period on your new Jane account and the swag for switching to Jane. Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. While we're certainly not promoting actual bad therapy, we are here to shine a light on the messy situations that therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So building a private practice can require, maybe I shouldn't say require, sometimes we put it on ourselves to work some pretty unusual hours while building a private practice and still maintaining another job. I know that I worked, I only saw patients for my private practice on Saturdays for the longest time while working a full-time job, you know, Monday through Friday. How about you, Allie? Oh, yes. When I was starting to build my practice, similarly, I worked my school job during the day and two to three days a week, I worked in the evenings and I also worked Saturdays as well to fit in private practice clients. And it is so common, but boy, was I burnt out and I was not <laughs> auditing my time well. Same, same. And I'm sure that a lot of you listeners can agree. If you are, go over to our Instagram and tell us. We're going to have a lot of fun quotes on this episode because Leanne is sharing with us her journey in recognizing the slippery slope of burnout and overscheduling herself and the resentment that builds with her clients and what she does about it, how she manages the rapport in the relationships, how she manages her finances and her income. She gets really detailed with us. Yes, it's such a great episode. And we were saying we're surprised we haven't talked about it in depth because it is such a common thing where even if you're not building a practice, it's so common for us to really feel pressured or put it on ourselves to work nights and weekends to accommodate client needs. But really, I love the theme of this episode is like reflecting on what you're saying no to for yourself when you're scheduling that time for your clients and really trying to find more of a balance with a more critical eye of your time. And just a reminder that this is not a substitute for clinical consultation, ethical guidance, or therapy itself because we don't endorse bad therapy. All right. Well, this is episode number 90 of Am I a Bad Therapist? We're calling this one Nights and Weekends. Let's get into it. Hi, Leanne. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I know that we were originally connected through the phenomenal Jane EHR community, which our listeners know we love and use, and so do you, but you are here to tell us a little bit more about some bad therapist um, strategies, (laughs) shall we say, but before we do, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? For sure. Yeah, I am a registered psychotherapist and I have a private practice in Belleville, Ontario, Canada. Um, And we have a team of four therapists here. And um, so I do that. And then I also uh, run an organization called Build Your Private Practice, where we help mental health practitioners with building their private practices and supporting them through their therapy journeys. That's a little bit about my background. Mm -hmm. Why don't we dive right into it? What's the story you're going to share that made you question if you were a bad therapist? Oh, I <laughs> it's one of these stories where I feel I always feel just a little bit of cringe um, as I, you know, getting into it. So being a therapist for me is an encore career. I spent um, over 25 years in the insurance industry previously. And um, so when I came into therapy, I did my education program. Um, I went straight to setting up private practice. And I had this idea and this dream of just really wanting to help as many people as I possibly 
could. And um, so, you know, I had a really strong business background, having owned and operated um, insurance brokerages. And so, you know, in terms of, you know, the setup of the practice, I felt quite confident and, you know, having policies and processes. And um, this drive that I had to help as many people as I possibly could. Um, I think it was very well intentioned and uh, it's kind of in a way where it, tri it tripped me up um, because I felt like, you know, if somebody was asking me, you know, okay, can I, can I book a session with you? I was saying, absolutely, let's work this out. Let's find a time. And as my schedule became fuller, I started to notice that I was booking clients in at times that I hadn't necessarily in intended to be working. And so, you know, time that I had intended to be, you know, either working on admin or time that I intended to be spending with my family, all of a sudden I was finding myself with client sessions there. And it, it what really was coming from this place of, I want to help as many people as possible. And, you know, just the way clients would present things, it's really important that I connect with you. Are you sure you don't have anything this week? And, and I would, oh, let me find you something. And I would squeeze them in, you know, where, wherever I could. And, you know, from a very, I think, well-intentioned place. Um, and, um, but it wasn't very practical <laughs> for me. Yeah, mm -hmm. I feel like so often we hear that of like in many settings, like whether you're in an agency or if you are even controlling your own schedule where it's like, oh, well, you just have to fit the clients in wherever they can go. Yeah. And so often in the beginning, a lot of us find ourselves working like nights and weekends to try to fit in as many people as possible um, because we need clients, right? Mm -hmm. And then also, of course, with the desire of helping them. So I feel like it's something that many therapists are like, yeah, we're just told just you have to fit them in yeah. without talking about or necessarily prioritizing how we need to structure our days and what works yes. for us. So it's like, I feel like something that's so common, but it's also so common that many people are like, but I don't want to see clients at this time. Right. Yeah. Like I, you know, I would have this thing happen in my schedule where my whole day would be booked. I didn't even have a lunch break, like no time to eat <laughs> um, in the middle of the day. And so it's like, this is, you know, just not taking good care of myself and just, you know, really noticing, starting to notice the impacts to me physically, um, but then also mentally and emotionally when I was doing this. And, and, um, and so, you know, some of the things that started coming up for me is I was no longer looking forward to client sessions, particularly those sessions that were booked on days or times when I hadn't intended to be doing client sessions. And so I noticed that I wasn't really, wasn't looking forward to them. I was almost feeling this sense of dread going into those client sessions. And then what really became the tipping point for me was noticing this feeling of resentment coming up. And the resentment was originally feeling like it was almost towards my clients. And that was, that was for me was the real tipping point in the moment where I said, okay, hang on, what's going, what's going on here? Because the client hasn't done anything. They haven't done anything wrong. They simply asked the question, can I see you? you know, is there any way? And I was the one who chose to offer mm -hmm. a day and time. And then they said, sure, that works. And it worked for them, but it wasn't working for me. And you know, I just, you know, as a therapist, I felt like 
It's the worst thing in my mind possible is to feel this sense of dread going into a session or this sense of resentment and just noticing for myself how it was impacting me as a therapist um, and then thinking even further about, but what is this doing to the dynamic in the therapeutic alliance and relationship? And, um, and so that, you know, I, I really started to notice and, and noticing that I had done it to myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nobody else was to blame about this except for me. And that was when um, I, you know, I don't know if I read it somewhere or somebody said it to me, but the phrase was, you take control of your schedule or your schedule will control you. And, uh, and I, I realized, yeah, there's so much truth in that, in that, you know, I do have the ability to take control of my schedule. And, um, you know, and in the, in the process of saying yes to clients' requests, you know, recognizing that I was saying no to other things, you know, that when I said yes to a client saying, you know, can you do a session at a time that you're you know, is outside of your regular schedule, saying yes to them meant that I was saying no to something else. Maybe I was saying no to that lunch break for myself. Maybe I was saying no to family time for myself. And so recognizing the importance of me being able to really set my schedule, stick with that schedule, to be able to say, I'm sorry, I don't have time, um, I, you know, that day that you're looking at, but I can offer you and finding a time actually in my schedule, not outside my schedule to offer them. And it was amazing. I mean, it sounds so simple, but honestly, the impact to me, both physically and emotionally and mentally, it was like a 180 in terms of, you know, how I felt going into client sessions that, you know, dread, those feelings of resentment, they just evaporated. All of a sudden, I was excited to be a therapist again. And I just, you know, when I look at it, And I think, you know, it really did come from this well-intentioned place. I can absolutely relate to what you're saying. And I think a lot of our listeners either are on one side of the spectrum or the other. Um, And it is such a slippery slope, Um, speaking from experience, going from individual consideration and flexibility in our schedule to care for the people that we choose to care for in our professional and personal lives. But, you know, how do you balance, how did you find the right amount of flexibility in your schedule or the right amount of hours available to your clients versus hours you need for yourself? What was that process like getting really clear on your time boundaries? It was a process. It definitely wasn't something that happened overnight. I had to really, um, I think I did some um, you know, time management, you know, sort of really and and really uh, time audit. That's the word I was looking for. Time audit, you know, where I actually went through a couple of weeks where I wrote down everything that I was doing and how long it was taking me. Um, and then, you know, to be able to look at the time audit and say, okay, what are the things that I've been spending time on that I actually don't need to do? Like, where am I almost wasting time? Um, Where are the things that, you know, I'm doing that somebody else could be doing? Because 
I have a VA in my practice. So, you know, sort of looking at it and going, hey, what tasks can I, you know, delegate to my VA and just stop doing myself to give myself, you know, a little bit more time. Um, And then also, you know, really looking at um, from a financial perspective, how many clients a week do I need to be seeing to earn the, you know, the, the income I need for my life Um, and, you know, cover my expenses and, and make, make a decent income and say, okay, is that, does that feel comfortable to me? Does that feel like it's enough? Does it feel like it's too much? And so it was really quite a process of going through, you know, looking that time audit though was a big one for me and sort of looking at all the pieces I was doing, getting rid of the things that I didn't need to be doing. Um, And then looking at my admin, you know, how much time I need to be writing my session notes and writing my treatment plans and whatever letters or emails, all that stuff that goes along. And it's really looking at that and saying, okay, if this is how much time it needs me, where am I going to put it in my schedule? And then redesigning my schedule. And, you know, it wasn't a one and done thing at all, right? It was, it was like, okay, I think, you know, this is going to work. I'm going to try this. Um, and I, you know, I would try it for a little while. I'd find, you know, I then evaluate it again. What's working well? What's not working the way I was hoping it would? And then fine tuning and adjusting um, and doing things that way. And just really uh, protecting my time as much as possible as well. Like I said, you know, when I set up my practice, I thought I did well with setting up processes and policies, and I'm pretty good at sticking to those policies. And so making my time a policy for myself was also Mm. really big. I love that. I feel like that's something we're always talking about, even between Catherine and I, like with our schedules, within the podcast, within, you know, our work outside of it, and just trying to use that like effective use of time, because Mm -hmm. sometimes it can get so easy to be so wrapped up in the work you're doing and your schedule and all that, that sometimes you forget to take that, like step back and look at it a little more critically, because you can just get so into that flow, even though that flow might not work for you. So I love hearing about how you could like audit your time. I love that phrase. And I don't know if I've ever thought of it in that way. And it's just such a great way to think about it. Because it does, like you're saying, even that shift of thinking what stuck out to me of like, I was saying yes to clients, but giving that reframe of, but I was saying no to other things for myself. Again, it Mm -hmm. sounds so simple and like easily understood, but hearing it in that way, I think, again, gives that clarity that we might need to change things up a little bit. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Since you're here, we're going to assume that you already like learning from other people. And if you want to take that a little bit deeper and a little further, you should join us on the network. The Therapist Network is actually where Allie and I met and formed this podcast, if you can believe it, several years ago. It is where we have our unfiltered, unhinged at times conversations about what being a therapist is like and the unique aspects that come up in our work. Yes, and we value the Bad Therapist community so much. It is such an incredible part of this podcast, and it just reminds me of the invaluable community that is the Therapist Network, and it's just a gift that keeps on giving, and you really should come join us on the Therapist Network. Thank you, Allie, for the shout out. That was a very nice endorsement. I think we can offer everyone listening a 30% off discount for your first subscription to The Therapist Network. So if you're a mental health clinician, use code BADTHERAPIST to join us at thetherapist.network, and we hope to connect with you inside. Hey, listeners. 
it's Catherine here, and I'm coming to you today because Ellie's not the best at bragging on herself. And I want to remind you all that she has an incredible resource available for free at our website, cccs.care. Ellie's Creative Intervention Library is full of easy interventions that even non-art therapist clinicians like me can use with clients of all ages. Every intervention has a list of materials, an entire process video where you watch Allie doing it, and a written description and steps so you can follow along at home. Plus, she even has a list of diagnoses that might find this creative intervention helpful. So if you want to access a totally free library of interventions for when you feel stuck with clients, check out Allie's website, cccs.care, and sign up for free today. Well, let's loop back to the show. The time audit piece, I think, was probably the biggest struggle for me because it felt like when I was doing it, you know, to like track and to write down or make note of everything that I was doing. I was like, but this takes more time. And I didn't, you know, so I had to work through that resistance as well of doing it um, because it was like, well, this, this takes more time. And yet recognizing that there was no way for me to actually analyze where my time was going unless I had a record of it. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, here you are giving your clients such great care with individualized schedules and flexibility, and we know that boundaries can be hard to set, especially when we had porous ones at first. Mm -hmm. How did your clients react to your more firm boundaries around time? What was that like? How did you manage it? Um, Tell us more. You're right. We all know setting boundaries can, you know, we can get a little bit of pushback, a little bit of um, resistance to it. And so how I chose to approach it with my clients was to uh, let them know that there was going to be a change in my in my practice. And um, and so how I addressed it, it would be it was very similar to how I approach a rate change in that, you know, I'm giving my clients notice, you know, as of X date, I will no longer, you know, my schedule is just not able to accommodate sessions on these days and in, and on these times. And so I gave them kind of notice, you know, letting them know that, you know, and so I did have to kind of put up with, you know, what I had created, the monster I had created for myself for a little while longer. But I set that date, you know, out ahead. And I think it was maybe six to eight weeks um, that I gave my clients, letting them know that, you know, there's going to, there's a restructuring that is happening with my schedule. It's really necessary. Um, And so this is what the new schedule is going to look like. Um, Let's think about, you know, how we can work this in with our, our, the sessions that we want to do. And, um, and so I think, giving them that lead time that, you know, six to eight weeks of saying it's not happening today, but it is coming, um, that allowed the clients to think about, okay, well, what can I do to make it work with Leanne's new schedule that that's coming up? Um, so I did have some people say, oh, it's so, it's so, you know, you're not going to be, you, there's nothing you can do. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, there really isn't. I, you know, I'm grateful that I have this time, you know, it, to, to give you notice about it. But yeah, I just really can't continue at this time. And so we just would have those conversations. And so being empathetic to, yeah, I know, I know this is, this is a change and, and, and being there for my clients that way, but still sticking to the decisions that I had made 
Mm -hmm. was that process for you, setting that boundary for all of your clients um, at once and then reaffirming it for weeks leading up to that? (laughs) How was it for you internally? Um, It was actually liberating. I found it, you know, I actually for myself, I was like going, yes, I am saying yes to me. Um, and, and And I also gave myself permission to realize that I wasn't saying no to my clients. I wasn't saying no. I was saying, let's find another way. Let's find a different time. Let's see what we can work out that works for both of us. And of course, I wasn't saying that works for both of us to my clients, but that was what I was saying internally. We need to find a way to make this work for both of us. And and so being able to, to stay in sort of that mindset that, you know, I am saying yes to me, but that yes to me does not mean no to my clients. We are now going to find a way that works for both of us. Um, and so I, I just, you know, as that date came closer, I just felt the weight just lifting off. And I was so excited when that date came. You know, no, this is the week where my time is my time and my office time is is my office time. And I'm going to focus on my clients during those hours. And so I know you also said previously that um, prior to the change, you were noticing those feelings of like resentment, like dread and things like that. I'm wondering if you could speak to how that showed up, if it did in the therapy room or if it was, you know, what your internal process was like and then what it looked like after you had that um, liberation of your time. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping that it didn't externally show up in my client sessions. And I didn't, I didn't notice really, you know, clients perceiving and picking up on it. What I noticed for myself was just that feeling of, you know, resentment, I'd be sitting in a client session. And this is where, you know, I was really like, I can't believe you are having these thoughts right now. <laughs> It's just like, it's just like, I don't want to be here and I don't want to be talking with these people. And I don't like, I just don't want to be doing this. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like going, what is wrong with me? Like, like, where is this coming from? And so what that, all that thought process was then distracting me from what the client was saying. Right. But those emotions that were coming up were so strong for me that they were grabbing my attention. And so, you know, being able to recognize in the moment that, okay, these are not helpful thoughts, you know, and sort of being able to put them aside a little bit and but going, we are definitely going to revisit this. <laughs> you know, I sort of reposition myself in session to be present for my client while also recognizing there was this residual yuck, you know, um, about it. And so, you know, I mean, it really required me to push through those sessions. Um, And there wasn't very many of them where, you know, that, you know, when I noticed that feeling coming up, I did take the time after session to go, hang on, like, what was that really about? Like, what is going on for me that I would have this strong response or reaction to, to what was happening? And so, Once I realized that it was my fault, that I had said yes, I had set this up myself, I had created this, um, that was a big shift for me, you know, in in upcoming sessions to notice that when this feeling was coming up, it was like, "Mm, yeah, I'm upset with myself again. I've done it to myself again. And so I was able to, you know, flip it to recognize where the blame really was laying. And so then it wasn't directed towards my clients. And so, you know, I didn't have very many sessions at all where it was feeling like it was directed to the client because I was able to catch it and recognize it's not about the client. Mm-hmm. 
I love that we can talk about time just as time. Um, and it, it comes from a really privileged place that we're not really talking about money as we as we talk about cutting back and setting boundaries around our time. And I also think about it's very privileged that we had, con- we, all three of us, have control over our schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Leanne, any, I know you work with therapists probably leaving agency work, starting their own private practice. How do you help them determine that balance of um, rate and time and any advice for therapists who maybe, um, you know, can't afford to lose revenue and cut back on clients? What, Mm -hmm. yeah, what would you, what would you say on the overlap of that income and time exchange for therapists? That's a great question. I love it. Um, And I think, you know, there's a difference, right? There's a distinction between when you're working for an agency and someone else is setting your schedule and your rate versus when you're in private practice um, and you're in control of setting your rate and and really setting your schedule. So um, one of the things that I do with therapists when they're going into private practice is, um, you know, we start by looking at you know, what do you think your ideal schedule looks like? How many days a week do you want to work? How many clients a day do you want to see? And we start there before we ever start, like before we ever are talking about finances and money. Some therapists, um, you know, feel really comfortable seeing seven, eight clients in a day. Other therapists are like, you know what? I don't want to see more than four or five clients a day. That's all right, right? It's totally, it's totally okay. It's individual. It's up to you know what a person wants to do. Some people want to work five days a week. Some people want to work two or three days a week. And so, looking at you know how much do you want to work, right? How many clients do you want to see? And then looking at okay, you know what are you imagining your business expenses are going to be for your practice, and how much do you want to make? Right. And then looking at it and saying, okay, if you're, you know, seeing, I'm just going to try and use easy numbers because my brain and math aren't great. But, you know, let's see you know, if someone is comfortable with, say, five clients a day and they want to work three days a week. So it's like, okay, so you want to see 15 clients a week? Amazing. If your rate, and again, this is only because of math, if your rate is $100 a session, um, that would mean you'd be making $1,500 a week gross. That would be you know, over four weeks, a typical month, that would be 6,000. Does that feel like it would be enough for you to be, you know, working, you know, at a pace that works for you, but also at an income rate where it is working for you? No, maybe you need to do more than $100 a session, right? So really looking at, you know, how much do you want to work? How many clients do you want to see? And almost reverse engineering that rate, Mm -hmm. I'm just so curious because you did it the opposite way to start. Did you end up losing revenue when you started? How did your business change after you put time parameters or your your time boundaries? <laughs> well, when I did that whole change, the time audit, what I didn't mention was that I also looked at my rates, right? Mm-hmm. So when I when I was making the change in my practice, I announced the change to my schedule and I also announced a rate change. Um, that was happening. And it was for that reason, like I was really looking at, okay, you know, like, what do what do I need? Like, what is going to work for me and recognizing that the monster that I had created by just saying yes, 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 yes. You know, that part of it was also financially based, you know, where I, where I was like, I, you know, I need, I need more sessions because I have bills to pay. And somehow disconnect happened that I was in private practice and could set my own rate. 
<laughs> right? Like, where did that happen? It's, it's like, oh, I'm not making enough money. I must do more client sessions. Like, why wasn't the thought there change your rate, Leanne? Yeah, I feel like it can be such a tricky balance. And even like we're saying, whether it is in private practice or in agencies and things like that, but it feels like it is this ever moving puzzle, maybe that we yeah. need to look at more often and take a step back and say what's working for me. Mm -hmm. um, and like even thinking about like for myself, I don't like working evenings. Like I'm just not a functioning human after a certain time of day. <laughs> and for a long time, still to this day in my practice, I was like, okay, I can dedicate a half Saturday for myself and I'm okay with that versus working evenings. And I'm coming to the point now where I'm kind of like, I don't know if I want to do Saturdays anymore. Right. And thinking about like, but you're, it's resonating with me what you're saying of that reminder of we can schedule it out. We can give lots of notice. And it's okay to have that control with our schedule and have the different pieces of flexibility that work for you. So I feel like that is standing out to me of like reevaluating, like reverse engineering and looking at it more than once. <laughs> Well, sure, because, you know, I think different seasons of our lives, we're comfortable doing different things, right? Like there may be a season in, in a therapist's life where they are excited and really wanting to work evenings and weekends because you, that just suits them and their lifestyle. Maybe they have young children and they, you know, want to be with those young children during the day. They kids go to bed. Now I'm going to do some therapy sessions. It works. It makes sense, right? Um, and there may come a point in time where it's not working with your family schedule. You know, you want to have that that weekend or whatever with your with your kids and so that's why I also feel that it is an evolving thing it's not a once and done thing it's something that you know you have to kind of look at and evaluate as you go along it's maintenance right mm -hmm. absolutely yeah our relationship with time our relationship with money and relationship with others it takes work yes it does <laughs> Now, Leanne, you have already given some great advice. Is there any other pieces you feel like you would share with someone who is experiencing, again, like looking at their time, any other pieces um, aside from what you said just a short time ago that you would share? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, really trying to not get caught up in what I would call the scarcity mentality, you know, like, and, and I think that is a piece of what was going on for me when I was saying yes to all the requests coming in was that, but if I don't say yes, then, you know, then what, then what, you know, like, then I have this, maybe this hole, but not really. And, but just this scarcity mentality that if I, if I turn somebody away, if I say no, then like, how do I know I'm going to have enough? How do I, and so just trusting that, you know, what I'm putting out into the world, what I'm, you know, this is, this is my availability, trusting that. Um, and for me, similar to you, Ali, I didn't want to work evenings. Um, and that's what I was saying yes to was a lot of evenings. And, um, and so just trusting that there are people who are available during the day, there are enough people with availability during the day that I'm going to be fine. And so being able to trust that, and, you know, stick with my boundaries, I think is, really important. And so that would be the advice that I would give to some to someone else is to, you know, if you know that it doesn't feel good for you to do something, then don't do it. And, and trust that what you're putting out into the world will come back. Love that. That's yes, same. And Leanne, if our listeners want to connect outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, um, you can find me online. My practices website is rethinkme.ca. Um, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well as rethinkme.ca in both places. And um, then I have another website, buildyourprivatepractice.ca. And on Instagram is just buildyourprivatepractice. And uh, you can find me in any of those places. Thank you so much, Leanne. 
thank you for having me here. It's been a, a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed our time together. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for this week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We love the Bad Therapist community so much and want to continue normalizing real therapist experience. You can help us by leaving a five-star review or sharing this episode with a friend or colleague. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And if you've experienced an actual bad therapist, contact your state health department or head over to stopbadtherapy.com for more information. And if you've liked this episode, we've got plenty more. Yeah, over 50 therapist stories ready for you to binge if you can't wait for our newest episode next Monday. 